This ReachMD program is featured on Sermo, a free online community exclusively for physicians. To discuss this program with your colleagues, visit www.sermo.com. That's S-E-R-M-O dot com. When you join, enter ReachMD in the promotion box to receive a $15 Amazon gift card. Restless leg syndrome is a neurologic movement and sleep disorder characterized by sensory and motor abnormalities that are frequently misdiagnosed. Some people are even calling this a made-up drug company disease. What is the reality of restless leg syndrome? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Robert Hauser. Dr. Hauser is Professor of Neurology, Pharmacology, and Experimental Therapeutics at the University of South Florida College of Medicine in Tampa. He also serves at the university as director of the Clinical Interdisciplinary Program in Neuroscience and as director of the Parkinson's Disease and Movement Disorders Center, which is recognized by the National Parkinson's Foundation as a center of excellence. Welcome to ReachMD. Oh, thank you, Leslie. It's a pleasure to be here. Dr. Hauser, what exactly is restless leg syndrome? Restless leg syndrome is a clinical syndrome that's characterized by a perceived urge to move the legs. Now, what do people experience with that? What are the symptoms? You know, usually this urge is associated with discomfort in the legs. It's often a dynamic sensation that patients uh, often have difficulty describing. Sometimes they'll say they may feel a creepy, crawly sensation in the legs or even Coca-Cola coursing through the veins. But some patients don't have any specific discomfort or pain, and some patients uh, do experience outright pain. So it's really the urge to move the legs, often associated with these uncomfortable feelings. And other key features include the fact that the urge and the discomfort is relieved when the limbs are moved, particularly the legs. It tends to come on at the evening or night, and it also comes on when the body's in a position of rest, when a person is resting quietly, whether seated or lying down. Now, this may be an obvious question, but does it affect only the legs? Well, it mostly affects the legs, but it also can affect the the arms and uh, infrequently even the head. And how about the feet and the toes? Yes, commonly involved, yes. I don't know if you're familiar, there's a program out now called Perks, and it's actually very interesting. It was funded by the Neurontin settlement when the government successfully got the big fine from pharma about um, mis-selling Neurontin. And anyway, there's there's a whole promotion, a CME campaign, how to help uh, physicians understand the influence of pharmaceutical companies. And one of the illnesses that this particular program picks on is restless leg syndrome, sort of insinuating that this really is no big deal and that the drug companies have just made it up to sell drugs. What do you think about that? Well, I don't think it's true. You know, I think there's a spectrum of severity, and some patients have a very mild case, and some patients have a more severe case. So I think when you look at the more severe people, there's really no question that this is a clear-cut clinical syndrome. I think some of the issues come when we're talking about patients who have very mild restless leg syndrome, do they really need drug treatment? They may not. If it doesn't bother them, if their sleeping is okay, perhaps they can take a hot bath or if they're exercising well, staying away from caffeine and smoking, that may be sufficient. In addition, uh, just uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks, there were two important articles that looked for 
genes associated with restless leg syndrome, and it turns out that three genes were identified that appear to account for about 70% of restless legs disorder. So to me, that's very strong evidence that we're not dealing with a made-up disease. So it sounds just like everything else. There's a spectrum, and mild people don't need to be treated with drugs, and more advanced people do. I think that's exactly right. What a surprise. Now, what's the difference between restless leg syndrome and periodic limb movement disorder? Periodic limb movements of sleep are a phenomenon of involuntary movements during sleep. While patients are asleep, there's dorsiflexion at the ankle. It lasts between a half and one second, and it recurs periodically. It recurs every 20 to 40 seconds or so through sleep. Now, as it turns out, about 85% of patients with restless leg syndrome have periodic leg movements of sleep but not all do, so it's not 100% uh, diagnostic or correlative. On the other hand, there are some few patients who seem to have uh, periodic leg movements of sleep uh, without restless leg syndrome. It can, in some cases, disturb their sleep, but it seems to uh, respond to the same types of uh, therapies. So would it be accurate to say restless leg syndrome is, is a waking condition where periodic limb movements is a sleep disorder? Well, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think one of the things to take away is that restless leg syndrome is a diagnosis that's made on the basis of history, and it does not require sleep lab confirmation. Hmm. Uh, in some questionable cases, a sleep test may be of help, and if you see periodically movements of sleep, that would help bolster the diagnosis. But if you don't, it doesn't mean that there's not RLS present. Now, how common do you see restless leg syndrome? Well, restless leg syndrome, again, as a spectrum, is extremely common. It probably affects up to 10% of the population. Wow. In adults and in children or just adults? Uh, in adults. Okay. And any particular people that it targets other than adults? Well, there are people who get uh, restless leg syndrome. These include uh, people, uh, women who are pregnant, tend to get uh, restless leg syndrome. It turns out about 25 to 40% of pregnant women have restless leg syndrome. Individuals with uh, end-stage renal disease, 25 to 50% of those patients have restless leg syndrome. And similarly, individuals with iron deficiency uh, commonly have restless leg syndrome. Do we know what causes it? Well, we don't know exactly what causes it. It does seem that restless leg syndrome has something to do with the dopamine system. If you give dopamine antagonists, restless leg syndrome is often worse. If you give dopamine agonists, they are often very helpful to improve symptoms of restless leg syndrome. And on neuroimaging studies, one sees mild decreases in the dopaminergic system uh, in restless leg syndrome. So somehow it's tied into the dopaminergic system. There are other systems, including the opioid system, that seem to be involved as well. So we don't really know exactly the pathophysiology of RLS. Is RLS curable? RLS is not curable, but uh, one can not infrequently get very good or almost complete resolution of symptoms with uh, treatment. Left untreated, does it get worse with time? It does tend to uh, worsen over time, yes. What are the common things that are, are misdiagnosed either as RLS or where RLS is missed? Well, peripheral neuropathies uh, can be misdiagnosed as uh, restless leg syndrome. Usually with neuropathies, there's pain or discomfort, but not that motor restlessness or, or urge to move. Uh, another diagnosis is akathisia, which actually is an urge to move, uh, but uh, when we say akathisia, we really refer to neuroleptic-induced or dopamine antagonist-induced urge to move. So one always needs to look at the medications of patients who might have restless leg syndrome. 
And then there's vascular disease, things like uh, deep vein thrombosis that could be mistaken for RLS as well. Now, other than the neuroimaging, which you mentioned, any other tests that might help us diagnose RLS? Well, we talked about the uh, sleep test. If there's uh, periodic limb movements, that's uh, helpful in confirming the diagnosis of RLS, although not uh, 100% uh, overlapping. But beyond that, no, it's really a diagnosis made by history. Uh, How about uh, serum ferritin? Is that at all helpful? Well, uh, low iron uh, is one of the causes of RLS. So when a patient is diagnosed with RLS, a serum ferritin should be checked. If ferritin is low, the patient uh, should be treated with uh, iron replacement. Okay, but it's not diagnostic? No. Okay. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Robert Hauser, who is currently the lead investigator on several national and international clinical trials and serves on the steering committee of other clinical trials. We are discussing restless leg syndrome. What types of treatments do we have for RLS other than iron replacement, obviously, if that's an issue? The main treatments are dopaminergic agents. These include dopamine agonists like ropinerol and pramipexol. These are quite effective. They're usually given an hour or two before the symptoms come on. Levodopa has been used in the past. The problem with levodopa is that it's associated with a high incidence of augmentation, which means that the symptoms can come on earlier in the day or worsen in severity earlier in the day or affect uh, more limbs. So levodopa is generally not used as a treatment today. Other kinds of medications that are used include the anti-epileptic medications such as uh, Neurontin or Topiramate, and uh, opioids are used as well. Well, that's sort of poetic justice, isn't it, that Neurontin's being used as <laughs> the Neurontin settlement is, is helping to spread the idea that this may not be a real illness. Funny how things happen. Now, don't some people also use benzodiazepines? Yes, that's a, another uh, set of drugs. Clonopin is uh, probably the one that's most commonly used in that category. So where do you typically start with all of these options? Uh, which medicine? Well, the dopamine agonists are approved for this indication. They're probably the most uh, well-studied, so I do start with the dopamine agonists. And one over the other? No, I think uh, ropinerol and primepexol both are quite effective in the majority of cases. What kind of side effects do you see with those meds? The doses that are used to treat RLS are a lot lower than are used in Parkinson's disease, and uh, there's therefore less side effects seen uh, for this indication. You can still, though, see some nausea or potentially sleepiness, although since we give them in the evening, it may not be a big deal. In addition, very rarely some of the impulse control disorders have been described in these patients. These are things like pathologic gambling, pathologic shopping, Uh, or hypersexuality. So it is worthwhile to ask your patients when you see them in the office whether they've encountered any of those problems. Who typically makes a diagnosis of restless leg syndrome? Which kind of physician? Well, I I think uh, now there's been a lot of uh, physician education about restless leg syndrome, and I really think uh, it's a diagnosis that primary care physicians should be able to make and uh, for the most part treat. So unusual that these folks would need to be referred to a movement disorder specialist? Yeah, I I think if the diagnosis is unclear or if uh, management is inadequate, it would make sense to to refer to a movement disorder specialist. Mm -hmm. Any resources for us to learn more about the diagnosis and management of restless leg syndrome? 
Well, let me give you a very good website, which is the Movement Disorders Virtual University, or mdvu.org. This is a website created by WeMove, geared toward educating physicians and the healthcare community. And there's also a website for patients at wemove.org. So if people can't remember that, maybe just Googling We Move, and that should lead them to the right place? I think that'll work. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. My pleasure. We've been discussing restless leg syndrome with neurologist and movement disorder specialist, Dr. Robert Hauser. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.